When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We've grown well over the last six, seven years. But if you do want to meaningfully grow as a business, given the size of the market, you certainly need to look outside of Mauritius. And most Mauritian companies that are looking at geographic expansion typically do look at East and in some cases West Africa, Southern Africa. I mean, obviously, it depends on what you do as a business, but there's certainly opportunities for Mauritian companies to go into, into Africa and to invest into Africa. Okay, time to ask for a Christmas favor. I'm away from my desk for the next two weeks, skiing in Switzerland, so I have to be honest, I'm not going to be missing you. But I'm also not going to be able to do the usual social media push as these next few episodes go out. So it would mean a huge amount to me and even more to the show if you could go onto LinkedIn, find and follow the How to Lend Money to Strangers page there, and then like, share, and even comment on the latest episode announcements. And I'm going to make it easy for you because this one's a goodie. For a couple of years, around 2005-2006, I worked for Barclays Africa in a lovely little hand-picked team that had been tasked with modernizing the retail lending risk operations of the bank's various businesses around the continent under the wing of the enigmatic Nick Geimer. We were all new, and so the first task was to divvy up the various markets. You get Zambia, I get Botswana. You get Ghana, I get Kenya. You get Mauritius? <laughs> Wait a minute. I didn't know tropical islands were an option. In the end, I think it was Paul Maskey who was first to be sent there on a business trip only to return saying that arriving at the airport alone and in a suit when everyone else was a loved-up couple in beach gear may not have been the prize we'd all first thought it was. Anyway, what I'm supposed to be saying is that while most people go to Mauritius as tourists, there is a thriving banking ecosystem there. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Mark Van Bunigan, CEO of the Sim Financial Services Group in Mauritius, welcome to the show. You and I both share the same excellent educational foundation, graduating in 2001 with a Bachelor of Business Science from UCT, and we both followed that up with some country hopping, albeit in different directions around the world. So before we talk about your life now on a tropical island, let's talk about how you got there. What was your professional background pre the SIM group? Yeah, thanks, thanks, Brendan. So post-graduating and with you in 2001 from UCT, I worked for KPMG in Cape Town, qualified as a chartered accountant. I then spent uh, five years in Australia, first working for Macquarie Bank in Sydney. I was in their structured products uh, division. I then did an MBA and joined the Boston Consulting Group in Sydney and spent just under two years there before moving across to Johannesburg and spending four years with BCGN in Johannesburg. And I was one of the founding members of the, of the Johannesburg office for BCG. Yeah, so Mark, you know, MBA and, and, and BCG is sort of 
gold star on the the corporate CV, and then working in Johannesburg, which you know, arguably the most corporate city in Africa. With that previous experience you had in Australia, as a neutral looking at your your career path, they might have expected you know, New York or London or Tokyo to be where you headed next. What took you to Mauritius? I had a fantastic uh, career at BCG and, and really loved BCG. But um, for anyone who's been in consulting, it's quite a there's not much uh, balance in the work life balance equation. So yeah, I guess I, I made the choice, which my wife actually prompted me to to make a choice between her or uh, or the company. So yeah, obviously prefer my wife. So I decided to look for something else. And looked in, I looked at opportunities in Johannesburg. And I was actually born in, in Mauritius, so my mother's Mauritian. Um, so I spent my first nine, ten years of my life in Mauritius before moving to Zimbabwe. So my father's from Zimbabwe. Um, but then came back to Mauritius every year. So I've got lots of friends and family here. My wife is Mauritian, so all her family lives here. So I was looking for, I thought, let me just try out, see if there's any opportunities in Mauritius. It's a nice nice place to live. So I put my feelers out here and got an opportunity to work with Sim Financial Services, Sim Group. You know, the job was MD of Sim Finance, which is our biggest business unit, with the opportunity to go up to Group CEO. And then and the board and shareholders wanted me to expand the business into Africa. So I think coming to a small island, obviously there's a lifestyle aspect of it, which was nice, but then there was an opportunity for me to have a, like a very big operational role as well and to, to look at the African expansion, which excited me a lot. Beyond the palm trees and the sandy beaches, what does the market actually look like in terms of financial services in Mauritius? Yeah, th- thanks, Brendan. So I think from just maybe just starting on what Mauritius is before I jump into from a market perspective. Uh, Mauritius started like pretty much as a, as a sugar island. Uh, so sugarcane um, production was a big, you know, I guess, the main economic activity for hundreds of years. And, and then, but then it like, branched out into tourism, then into textiles. And though, I guess those three sectors are still very important, and tourism in particular. So like you said, we've got a population of about 1.3 million, and we get a similar number of tourists coming to, to Mauritius each year. So obviously beautiful beaches, but fantastic uh, hotels as well in Mauritius. Um, and the offshore sector has grown significantly in Mauritius. So I guess from a jurisdiction perspective, being able to build a reputation of being a very safe with, like, I guess, well-skilled people for companies that want to invest into predominantly Africa and India. So Mauritius has got a lot of double tax agreements um, with countries across the world and done a great job of getting those in place um, for India and for Africa. So there's a huge amount of FDI that's flowed through Mauritius into into Africa, and you get a lot of companies that are investing into Africa that set up their, like their I guess, their off- offshore operation head offices in, in Mauritius. And off the back of that, the, the banking sector has, has grown significantly. So I guess there's, given the size of the island, the banking sector is, is very big, but quite a few big international banks in Mauritius as well as the, as the local banks. And then real estate is a big part of the economy as well. So the, a lot of, I guess, golf estates, villa estates, uh, beachfront estates where if foreigners come and buy into those estates, they get permanent residency here and and then are able to take advantage of the tax rate of 15% that we enjoy in, in Mauritius. So obviously off the back of real estate construction is a huge part of the um, economy as well. And then uh, business process outsourcing and BPO has taken off a lot as well. So it started off in call centers, but then has gone into IT services, software development, accounting, etc. So it's quite a, like for a small island, a fairly well 
diversified um, economy. And also the one big benefit of Mauritius as an offshore sector as well as BPO is the language fluency of of Mauritians. And they, I mean, French, I guess, Creole, which is like the local um, pigeon French, if you want to call it that, um, is, is the main language. But then French is the most widely spoken language. But because it's a was a British colony, the education system is British, so everyone speaks English fluently and writes English well as well. So you have people who can, uh, like from a call center or BPO perspective, you can service both uh, English-speaking and French-speaking countries, which is very useful, obviously. And you know, I guess from a per capita income perspective, Mauritius is a high-income country now. Uh, so if you look at the from an African context, most of the countries are low or middle income. Um, so even though we've got 1.3 million people, it's it's a relatively wealthy wealthy country, especially if you compare it to, to Africa. When we look at that SIM group, what are we talking about in terms of like how's it structured, what, what businesses are in, in there? And also maybe how do you balance that pool or those dual pools of serving a Mauritian market and then serving the much bigger global market outside? Mauritian companies have got a long way to go in terms of taking advantage of the opportunities outside of Mauritius. But certainly... Given the size of the market, um, there—I mean, there has been opportunity, good opportunity to grow, and we've grown well over the last um, over the last six, seven years as a business. But but if you do want to meaningfully grow as a business, you certainly need to to look outside of Mauritius. And and most most Mauritian companies that are looking at geographic expansion typically do look at East and in some cases West Africa, Southern Africa, and they and they're starting to gain a lot of a lot of traction. So. I think there's, depending on, obviously it depends on what you do as a business, but there's certainly opportunities for Mauritian companies to go into, into Africa and to invest into Africa. From a SIM perspective, we're, like, we're a lending business, so maybe a bit of context around who exactly SIM is. So we were a bit of a diversified mini conglomerate uh, when I joined, but we've really focused on being a financial services business. We had an offshore management company, so I spoke about the offshore sector. We had the largest, second largest offshore management company Mauritius, and we sold that to private equity for about $95 million about five years ago. Um, and then we had a property development business, which we spun out and separately listed about three or four years ago. Um, and now we're purely focused on financial services, and that's our core business called Sim Finance in Mauritius, which is really a consumer finance um, business. And that's higher purchase, which is a bit like micro-leasing. So I guess for the lower-income folks who want to buy TVs, furniture, mobile phones, we will give them credit to buy that and they can pay us off in two to four years. Uh, we're the largest leasing company in Mauritius as well, so vehicle and equipment leasing. And we issue and acquire Visa and MasterCard. And we've got a factoring business, so it's a very good working capital sol- solution for SMEs. So from, I guess, a market positioning, SIM, SIM finance is really, uh, like we, we service like the lower to mid-income sector of the population, which is typically underserved by the banks, as well as um, SMEs, which are also underserved by the banks. So quite a nice space to be in, and it's and it served us served us very well. Um, and then from an investments perspective, um, we started in, in Kenya. So our two main businesses are consumer finance being high purchase and unsecured loans. We decided to go with with higher purchase. And we built out retail partnerships there with, I guess, with all the big furniture and 
consumer electronic good, mobile phone stores, and and are giving credit to their customers. Um, and our second largest business is leasing. And so next year we'll start we'll, we'll start doing leasing in Kenya as well. Yeah, and I seeing on your LinkedIn, I think update a press release on education loans in Kenya as well. I guess from a Kenyan context, that was very much a market-specific um, demand. So doing something that supports your customers, I don't think it's going to necessarily make us a huge amount of money. But in, but in Kenya, because the public school system has deteriorated significantly, the private school system has, uh, is very big. Um, so you've got about 2.6 million children um, at, at over 3,000 private schools in, in Kenya, which if anyone knows Africa, I mean, that, that's pretty pretty huge. In Kenya, they place a huge premium on education to get their kids better educated, better opportunities in life. But all the schools there require you to pay your term fees uh, in advance, which people struggle with from a cash flow perspective. So it's really a, it's kind of like a buy now, pay later product. So we'll pay your school fees up front and then you can pay us back over three to four, four months at a low interest rate. I see the SIM Group was the first non-banking financial institution in sub-Saharan Africa to issue MasterCard and Visa credit cards, the first to issue China Union pay cards. And like the last several years now, you've been investing very heavily in mobile-based lending platforms uh, like WhatsApp-enabled SME loans and things that wouldn't necessarily be expected uh, in a smaller, more sort of far-flung market. So before we deep dive into any lending products just in terms of the philosophy at the group what is your innovation philosophy and what's been behind this big drive to digital well, i think it's without i'd say it's more like a big drive has been around analytics and, and digital so i think it's um so started like i really started in analytics when i first joined and um like i think for i mean as you know if you if you want to lend well, uh, like strong analytics really helps you to make better credit decisions. So, so we really worked with Experian on scorecards, but but we've built out we've built out a very strong analytics capability in the business. Um, and I guess that that goes from the, I guess the data data warehouse through to um, like through to the front. I guess your like your dashboarding and, and all the analytical tools that you use. Um, as well as um, like the actual people capability um, that, that that we built, um, and that that's really helped us to uh, to be able to tweak us. Like we do some very deep analytical reviews on a monthly basis, and it's helped us to understand our loan portfolio performance at a very granular detail, and be able to tweak our scorecards you know, very 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 quickly to respond to to any you know, credit risk portfolio risk that we're seeing. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. 
To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. And it's helped us, yeah, from a margin perspective, it's certainly helped us ahead of a lot to um, yeah, grow the business sustainably. Um, but then from a digital perspective, it's a lot of it's around, it's, I guess our, our focus has been on operational efficiency and then customer experience. So from an operational uh, efficiency perspective, it's really around um, making sure that all, you know, all back, off, back office type processes that were very manual in the past can be automated as much as possible. Um, and up to and including processes that are, I guess, customer, customer facing. So like in our leasing business, for example, now we've partnered with a South African company called Seriti, which is effectively a, it's like a loan origination system where you put the customer's details on, onto the system, it integrates into our, into our, into our systems and we can, we've got an automated workflow that helps us to, to get a very quick turnaround time on, on, uh, granting, uh, lease applications. Um, you know, all the way through to contract fulfillment. So from having to print out reams and reams of uh, contracts, everything's all like, pretty much DocuSign or um, digitally, digitally enabled contracts. Uh, like consumer finance, our consumer finance businesses, like I said, our biggest business, we've got close to 300,000 clients. And that's out of an active, I guess, economically active population of 550,000 people in Mauritius. So we've got a very big data uh, customer base relative to the population here close to 55, 60% of the population. And we were printing out all their contracts and now now it's all like a link is to SMS to them and they, they sign off on a contract and it's done very quickly. Um, so that's, you know, so the, and then, and then from a customer facing perspective, we were given the nature of our business, it was very people heavy. So like I said, our higher purchase business, by definition, we granting credit on furniture, consumer electronic goods, mobile phones. So we had people in stores around the island as well as seven branches. So we've got people sitting in 110 stores around the island. Um, and then you've got, yeah, so you've got um, about 100,000 know, loans being generated a month. We've got you know, 250,000 people paying us back in person every month. So it's just a huge, you know, huge volume of, I guess, loan origination as well as monthly cash repayment for, for the installments. So it's a, so we were think we we've been thinking through how can we optimize that to give people the choice of being able to originate a loan through a digital channel, or to be able to pay us back through a digital channel, um, and that's for obviously our existing customer base, but also with the realization that the younger demographic who pretty much spend their life on mobile phones expect that kind of experience, customer experience. So we need to have a like some good digital platforms, and we built out a a very nice. Um, I guess mobile app that helps helps customers to to do exactly that. If you think about say five years ago, what they might have looked like in terms of raising money in in the factoring side or just in in the general credit side for an SME to what it is like now in the digital world that you're providing them. What are we talking about in terms of difference in in days to get a loan, in in number of uh, steps taken, anything like that? How, how big a change is this for the actual people as well on the other side? Well, from an SME perspective, it's you know, I guess we brought it down to a matter of two to three days from lead origination to loan disbursement. Uh, at, yeah. So it's a very quick quick turnaround time, um, and that used to take a few weeks, you know, because it's I guess we had a much more traditional 
approach to, I guess, both client engagement and client sourcing, um, as well as to the credit, the credit assessment. And we realized that a lot of the SMEs actually are pretty much sole proprietors. So and I think that's true across across the world. So we've used used our scorecards as well to to help, like our scorecard uh, capabilities to help us to to like to to build out um, yeah simple scorecard for SMEs. You obviously need it helps to have the bank statements, the legal bank statements, etc. Um, but we've got a bank bank statement scraping tool that that basically you take six months bank statements and like it helps you to helps you to understand what what kind of um, you know, loan loan you can you can give them. Um, and yeah, so I guess we've got we have we have we have significantly changed the way that we we think about what SMEs are and how we grant loans to them. I think given our experience and the different products we've got in terms of unsecured loans, uh, factoring, which is working capital finance, as well as leasing, um, like what we did is we set up, we didn't have an SME team before. We had a, like a product-led team um, and well, we had product-led teams. And now it's really like the SME team, It's we've got desks in all our branches and it's really about understanding um, the needs of the, the SMEs. Um, so, I mean, they can apply through our digital channels, but if they do want to come in person and uh, talk through things a bit more, we, we can do that with them. And, and based off their needs, I mean, SMEs typically either need cash for working capital purposes, they need to invest in some equipment, a vehicle, etc. Um, so, so once you understand that, you can say, well, okay, let's, let, um, like, let, let's base our credit decision off something a lot simpler um, based on based on the actual needs yeah. uh, you mentioned the experience i assume in terms of like the infrastructure in place as a, as a credit bureau in place we've talked about credit cards out there what does that landscape look like what products are popular is it like the rest of the world where buy now pay later is the hot new topic or what are the the products that get the most traction in terms of the consumer borrowing and lending so in terms of, I guess, in the Mauritian market, there's um, so buy now pay later hasn't taken off yet. It's something that we are we are seriously looking at because I mean, in, in effect, we're a buy now pay later company anyway. Because we've been people buy like like the goods that I told you about earlier, and they pay 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 off over twenty four to forty eight months. Whereas I guess BNPL, as we know it, is a three to four month payment product. So we're looking at that that as well. Um, but in the Mauritian context, people have a affinity to owning their own homes here. Uh, so I guess like a traditional mortgages are still still a big thing. Um, and unsecured lending was like when we, we started doing unsecured lending about five, six years ago and it wasn't you know wasn't really done at all in the market. So that's I guess that that's a product we've seen significant growth in. So a lot of people have got like small projects whether it's renovation, it's having a wedding, whatever it is and and then they just need a loan to to help them. So so we've used our yeah I guess we've used our scorecards, um, and off the back of the experience we've got on the loan uh, performance for unsecured loans, we've been able to uh, really really uh, customize those well to I guess the clients that take unsecured loans. And um, yeah, now we've literally got a turnaround time of um, someone applies for an unsecured loan and we'll get them a credit decision instantly. So and yeah and it's. And, it's, and we dispersed, like we have dispersed the next day, but I think the other product that's taking going to take off quite a lot of Mauritius is digital payments or instant payments. Um, so the central bank has, has put in place um, like an instant payment system, 
um, that that like all the financial services participants can can apply to to link into. And for a non-bank, it's fantastic because basically, like in our, in our case, we've got an app, like I told you, and now and now we can get our customers to link um, their accounts to their bank accounts and effectively um, pay pay us back uh, automatically on a monthly basis, or they can do it themselves on a monthly basis. But then, from an unsecured lending perspective, we can just disperse instantly through to to their bank account once they've applied for a loan on our mobile app. Um, so that that's I guess the instant payments um, product is taking off well, and we're launching our digital loan unsecured loan in the next few months. So that we think that could, given the growth we've seen in our traditional I guess unsecured loan portfolio, we think that could be a, be a game changer. And then look at maybe doing micro loans, look at doing BNPL as well. We talked about some of the unique business challenges uh, in terms of being an island nation and having kind of a, a small concentrated population. But obviously, in this world, there's also much bigger challenges, particularly when we think of island nations around things like climate change and what that's going to mean. I see that you guys are also quite heavily involved in that space. I saw you issuing green bonds with FSD Africa and you know being heavily involved in broader FSG initiatives. Do you want to talk about what you're doing in that space as well? Yeah, so I think it's. I mean, we. I guess as the senior exec group, we wanted to, we wanted to do something in the. I guess in the ESG or renewable space, um, like just to. You know, make, I guess make a difference in the country. At that, that point in time, which was actually beginning of twenty twenty one, there was no, no framework around issuing green bonds because if you want to provide green financing, you effectively need to issue green green bonds to be able to fund. The, the financing that you're doing from a green perspective. So we well we did our we did our business case and then put together a green bond framework in, in line with international best practice. And then eventually the the regulator here did issue issue a, a framework around green bo- regulatory framework around green bonds. Um, so they did that end of December last year. We applied for um, like approval for our green bonds about a week later, and then in January this year we. We um, issued our green bonds, and that that's that, that was really to you know be able to give Mauritians cheaper funding or financing um, to, in the first instance, given the type of business we've got is is uh, use leasing the green leasing to to buy electric vehicles, to buy plug-in hybrids. Um, solar PV is taking off in a big way in Mauritius, so to be able to install solar P- PV. Water storage tanks, etc. So any, I guess, any sustainable, whether it's for an individual or for corporate, any sustainably linked project, uh, we will, we will, we will finance that. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I think there are now uh, more moves around the world, but certainly in, in some of the bigger markets. You know, I, here in the UK, I go to a lot of conferences, and the talk is still a lot about how we're going to get this off the ground. So it's a gap, I think, and it's great to hear that yeah, taking big steps already in that space. Mark, you've obviously got a lot on your plate already. You've made a lot of changes in a, in a short time. But when you think about next year, what are your plans for the Sim Group in 2023? Are there any kind of big, exciting headlines for us to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I think from our perspective, we want to double down on our investment into Africa. So we've got a we've got I guess four years of track record in in Kenya. So really, really push push the business more in Kenya as well as start looking at opportunities um, outside of Kenya. Um, and then really, and like I said, I think we, we spent a couple of the last three years investing a lot into into digital, a um, lot into our analytics side of our business. So, so it's really 
It's really around now leveraging that infrastructure and capability we've got and, and pushing a lot more digital products, lending products, as well as payment products, like I mentioned, whether that's instant payment or buy now, pay later into the market. Um, so I think for us, it's a very exciting space. It's, it's been a few years of a lot of hard work of putting the building blocks in place. And now, yeah, now we really want to like, like be even more innovative in the markets and what we take to markets um, over the next 12 to 18 months. And if anyone listening would like to follow that, stay in touch with the story, where's a good place for them to go to see what the SIM group is up to? They can either have a look on our website or they're welcome to come to Mauritius. It's a beautiful island and <laughs> come and visit. And we, 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 we can do <laughs> I'll put uh, links to the to the website and also to so some uh, travel agencies uh, in the show notes. But freezing here in the UK, Mauritius sounds very attractive. Some good friends and family living out there now. So definitely we'll take you up on that, <laughs> that idea and pop over there one day. But thank you very much for your time. It's been great catching up. Thanks, Brendan. Great uh, catching up with you. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform, and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England, and edited by Fina Charlson of FC Productions. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show or just www.htlmts.show, and I'll see you again next Thursday. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.